to take your Bibles and open them to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and we are picking up in verse 10 where we left off about mid-December in our study through the book of Ephesians. A new series in the midst of this book that we're calling Be Strong When in the Fight of Your Life. You find your place there and look this way. The summer of 2020 was different for all of us. Some busier than ever. All of our routines changed. Uh, I, like some of you, because of not traveling, because of no camps, no conferences, no vacation, I needed something. And I chose what my outlet would be, would be a garden. A lot of you planted a garden. It was my very first, 20 years in Watkinsville, the very first time I'd ever planted a garden here. But, listen, it was not my first garden, all right? Because I am a horticulturalist by training and trade. It is my pedigree. I spent my childhood days answering the phone, Molten Garden Center. I spent my high school days and my college days answering the phone, Grassland Nursery. I went to Auburn University and in the College of Agriculture, I got a Bachelor of Science in Horticulture, Nursery, Crop Production. I got the degree. I know a lot about horticulture, so I'm going to plant a garden, and I was confident. And uh, it's in my bloodline. My brother just retired from Auburn after years of teaching horticulture. My dad was an ag education teacher and a nursery owner and operator. I'm planting a garden, first time in our backyard. And I knew, uh, I thought, thought it'd go well. And I've got pictures to prove it. Let me show you. Never been a garden in this spot in our yard before. And there's the ground prep. And then... Um, Got it planted, we're ready for cucumbers and sunflowers and got tomatoes covered and peas and butter beans planted and it grew. Come on now, look, this is, that's, that's a garden. And uh, just like all of you, first thing in the morning, I go look at the garden. Last thing in the evening, I go look at the garden. And I was so excited about it because this was, it was kind of in a way, it was getting to who I was and it was a, a lot of what I knew and, and it, it brought a lot of great joy and, uh, and it grew. And then uh, one morning I went out there to the garden and I realized that um, there was opposition And no matter who I was, and no matter what I knew, a third element had been introduced into the game. There was opposition. And that morning I realized that overnight, in the darkness, the devil had, deer had come to that garden and they ate my lunch literally 
the book of Ephesians takes three chapters and tells us who we are. You have every spiritual blessing. When you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you would say today, I've been saved. Thank you for the blood. Every spiritual blessing. You have been chosen. You have been elected. You have been adopted. Even the Holy Spirit has sealed you as a guarantee of the inheritance that is to come. You have gone from death to life. Your sins have been forgiven. You are in Christ. That's who you are. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 tells us how to live it, what to do, how to make it happen. And Ephesians 4 starts with telling us because we are in Christ that now we must walk worthy according to the manner of which we have been called. And it says, walk in humility and gentleness. And it goes on, it tells us to put away slander and malice and to forgive one another, to resist sexual temptation. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And it gives us all of these do's and don'ts because of what's been done. And I know we come in here and we celebrate who we are. We walk out of here knowing what to do. And like me, probably many times you've said, I got it. This is the year. This is the day. This is the week that I will walk according to who I am. But we walk out those doors and we find out that we have opposition and it's not enough to just know who we are and to know what to do because you know I know there's opposition and these verses tell us his name is the devil and he's eating your Again and again and again, we say, why can't I resist that temptation? Why can't I deal with that anger? Why am I struggling so much to be kind in this relationship? Why can I not share my faith when I know it's so real? And it's just battle after battle after battle. And knowing who we are and what we are to do, but we so that's why over these next few weeks we're going to take a slow walk through this end of Ephesians 6 because it tells us how to be battle ready how to be battle ready how to win the fight and, and take knowing who we are and what we are to do and and defeat the opposition. Ephesians 6 verse 10 starts with this one word, finally. It's really, it's really not the Apostle Paul's way of saying, I'm almost finished writing. It's more of a way of the Apostle Paul saying, in light of what I've said in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and half of 6, 
from this point forward, you need to know this. Henceforward, in the future, last thing here I'm saying is that as you look ahead, this is what you got to realize. This is what you're going to face. This is what you're dealing with. Finally, henceforward, moving ahead. Now that I've said all of this, there's opposition in this present darkness. He says, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And what I'm hoping is is that you, you won't go to sleep in the darkness and be overwhelmed by the battle. By the opposition. Don't go to sleep in this darkness. Don't settle believing that uh, I'm just going to lose right there. That's just me and that's what I battle with. That's where temptation gets me every time. And I've just had to learn to live with that. And, uh, and, and that's just kind of part of my life. I'm telling you, friends, what he shows us here in these verses is a way you can be battle ready and win in the darkness. I don't want you to walk blindly into the garden and be caught off guard by the work of the enemy in your life. And these verses show us that we, we wrestle and we war while we work. We wrestle in war while we wait on the Lord. We wrestle in war while we worship the Lord. We, we wrestle in war while we walk in Christ. Right now, listen to this message. There's a battle going on. For your attention, for your obedience, for our understanding, how can we be battle ready? I'm going to answer that two commands. Verse 10 and 11 this morning, we'll pick up and work on through these verses over these next few weeks. But today, what your life needs to be battle ready is, number one, be strong. Be strong. Now, let me say real fast. Even hearing that statement and the battle being so real in your life with sin and the enemy and the devil, to hear me say as your pastor, here's what you got to do. You got to be strong. In some ways, that can be defeating in itself. And some of you would look back at me this morning and if this was a back and forth, you would say, Pastor, I just got to tell you. I've tried that. I've tried being strong. I've tried to stand my ground. I've tried to be strong. I've done all that I know to do. I'm trying to be strong. And the enemy wins again and again and again. Here's what I want to show you. When I say be strong, it, it would be defeating to me if where he says finally be strong, that ended right there with a period. But the the punctuation there is, is not a period. What is there is a proposition, is a, is a preposition. And instead of a period being there at the end of be strong, it's a preposition. And he, it's not be strong, period. It is be strong in the Lord. And that's where our victory is. It is defeating for me to stand before you and say be strong, period. 
It's hopeful for me to say be strong in the Lord and in the might, in the strength of his might. Now, what that is, when he says finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, what that is, is you and me acknowledging our weakness. Now, we're already, I've used the word war and warfare and battle a lot. And we've used the word armor, and it might seem strange to be talking about weakness in war. But that's the paradox of Scripture. And, and the, the reality is, is for us to be strong in the battle and be strong in the Lord, we have to acknowledge our weakness. When the Apostle Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, he's saying to the believers at Ephesus, this is not something you can do on your own. This is not strength where you bow up or suck it up. And I'm not standing in front of you this morning with God's word saying it's time for you to bow up or it's time for you to suck it up or it's time for you to get yourself together and get strong. It is us saying we need to acknowledge where we're weak and that the battle's bigger than us and we can't win it on our own. Be strong in the Lord. It is an acknowledgement of my weakness and, listen, an application of his strength. He, he says, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Acknowledge that we're weak. Apply that he's strong. I used to say to people in text messages signing off or letters signing off or emails signing off, I would say, be strong, Pastor Carlos. Be strong, Carlos. And about six years ago, I stopped saying, be strong. And I started saying, be strong, in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord because the, the call, the command is not to, to, to draw on your own strength and be strong. It's to humble ourselves. Apply his strength. The, that phrase there, strong, strength, might, that combination of Greek words are not used here first. They're used in this letter earlier. Chapter 1, verse 19, look at it. Chapter 1, verse 19, that same combination of words of strength and might and power is used. In Ephesians 1, verse 19, it says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us? Toward who? Toward us who believe. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Christians, followers of Christ, what is the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. When you and I draw on the strength of the Lord, remember what kind of power and might and strength that is. It's the kind of power and might and strength that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what kind of power. And he's telling us to admit our weakness, to acknowledge our weakness, to be strong where, not in ourselves, be strong in the kind of power and might that raised Jesus to life. It's a, it's a surrender. It, it, it's an allowance. God, you come in. I'm leaning on you. It's a teachability. 
it's a reliance, it's a receptiveness to where we say, we're not saying, God, I got this. We're saying, God, I need you. When Ephesians changes from kind of this doctrinal position of who we are in Christ to our everyday living for Christ, chapter 4 is is where that starts. And look at verse 1 of chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And the very first way that he tells us to walk in our position of Christ, he says, in which you have been called with all what? Say it. With all what? Humility. Not with all boldness. Not with all strength. Not with all you got, but with humility. And for us to be strong in the Lord in the battle, to be battle ready, there comes a time where we have to say, Lord, I can't do this. One of the ways, one of the reasons you keep finding yourself defeated. You say to yourself, you said, I'm going to whip this. I'm going to do this. I'm I'm, I'm, going to handle this battle with social media. I'm going to handle this battle with discouragement. I'm going to handle this battle with greed. I got this. I'm not going to slander anymore. I'm not going to lose the battle of porn anymore. I'm not going to give in to sexual temptation anymore. No, I got this. I got to be strong. Where the battle is won is us saying, I lose every time if I just depend on my own strength. Lord, I need your strength. I need to humble myself and not be prideful about this. I am weak. When I planted that garden, I was so proud of it. And I would call my dad. And I'd call my mom. I'd send her pictures of it. And we talked throughout that summer about that garden. And and I just would celebrate Listen, without fail, every single time I brought up the garden to my mom, every time she would say, what you going to do about the deer? I would call, I'd say, hey, mom, so what you doing? I said, I just, got, just went out to check the garden. The deer get in it? No, not this morning. Call a week later. Hey, mom. All right, see ya. Watch for the deer. Just every time, I was just like, Mom, have you seen my garden? Until that day, I went out there, and I'm looking around for Mom. I'm just thinking, she's there. I know she's laughing somewhere. And I called Mom. I was like, guess what? Deer got in your garden, didn't it? (laughs) And then she told me, she said, don't you remember your dad? So what? So remember he planted that garden down in the field behind the house? And that day he went out there and he came back in and he told me that the peas were ready. They'd be perfect the next morning. And he went the next morning and every pea was gone. And here's what I learned from that. I learned that every word of warning has a wound of war. When she was telling me, watch for deer, 
watch for deer, watch for deer, watch for deer. In my pride, I thought I had it. But having known what they had experienced, she was regular with her warning. Watch out. And the Apostle Paul comes to us and we can learn from him. A man who had been in the war and he was saying, there's an enemy. You got to be strong in the Lord. You can't be battle ready until you acknowledge your weakness and apply his strength. I put it like this. Before you can bow up, you got to bow down. You got to humble yourself with the Lord and ask for his strength. Here's a second command. What does it look like to be battle ready? Be strong in the Lord. Number two, armor up. Armor up. Armor up. And this is where the balance comes in. The balance comes in. It's like, yes, Lord, I'm weak. I need your strength. I receive it. I'm going to walk. In humility, I'm going to walk in gentle. Lord, I'm walking in your strength. If I'm walking today, Lord, you got to, if you can raise the dead, you can get me out of this bed. Lord, you got to help me today. You got to help me. And, and, and we, but it doesn't stop there because it goes from this surrender to the Lord to, to we got to do something. We got to armor up. There is some human responsibility for you. To do something in the battle. When young David, young King David, young David as a shepherd was facing a giant, you know what David had to do? David had to select the stones before he slung the sling. And what did he say? He said, the battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. He was depending on the strength of the Lord, but he chose the stones and he put them in the sling and he slung it and he took down the enemy. And I, and I want to tell you that to be battle ready, you can't just sleep in the dark. You can't walk around blind in the garden. You've got to armor up. And we're going to talk about the pieces of armor in the weeks ahead and what that looks like to put these different pieces of armor. But let's get verse 11. It's so easy to read right past it and go to those cool pieces of armor and miss that the very first phrase of 11 is put on. You've you got to clothe yourself. You've got to dress yourself. It may take words. It may take thought. It may take actions over time. Just one example, or it talks about the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. How do you put that on? What are we doing this year? We're hiding the Word in our heart. When you're memorizing the Word, what are you doing? You're, you're taking the sword of the Spirit and armoring up your life with the Word of God. It, you, you're, you're putting it on. God has laid out the armor. We've got to put it on. He's showing you what to wear. You've got to put it on. And then notice, put on, it's not put on the armor, it's put on the what? Whole armor. Put on the whole armor. Not a piece of it for this day, and then maybe a piece of it 
every day the whole armor complete every piece and I emphasize this because sometimes in our life we think we can handle life with this much of God but not all of God and I'm saying we got to submit all of who we are to all of who he is and go all in and say Lord just clothe me with the whole armor don't leave any room unguarded in your life you would think I would never lose the battle of sin when it comes to money. You'd say, I would never lose the battle in my marriage. I would never lose the battle still from my family. I don't know, just fill in the whatever, whatever sin. I, I would never harbor a wrong against you. But we can, we can draw up these areas where we think we've got it. And he's saying we need the armor. We need the whole armor of God for our life. Think about that garden. If I had just built a fence on three sides, the deer in Oconee County, come on. They're smart. They know where the opening is. The devil's smart. I don't know if it's local or regional where I grew up. Maybe you could verify this or not. But we had a saying growing up, kind of the farming proverb, that uh, the cows always run through where the fence is down. What, what do you say? What is that? Something would come up in life and say, well, the cows always run through where the fence is down. What is it? Somebody say, hey, the cows are out this morning. Well, where did they get out? Where the fence is down. It's where they get out every time. And I apply that to our battle with Satan where, you, where the, the, the devil knows where the fence is down. He knows where your life is not guarded. And someone has said in the past that, a, that an unguarded strength is a double weakness. What does that mean? That means you think you're strong in that area so you don't guard it. And the truth is, is that you're not strong there. And then there's also pride thinking that you are. And it's a, it's a double weakness. You lose to what you weren't guarding and you lose to pride. And, and listen, this is Satan. He knows our weak spots. He knows the unguarded areas of our life. We need the whole armor. We need to put it on because the enemy works. We've got to be battle ready in the winter of 1987 I was um, my life changed um, it was pretty empty down, working on that horticulture degree, and um, one morning came back from class, went to my knees, I don't remember the exact words I said, I do know I, I, do know I said these words at some point, Lord I know all the stuff, real profound, like, Lord I know all the stuff, I know you died for me, I know you rose again. I, and I said, something, I want to give my life to you. I want to surrender all that, I, all that I am. Here I am. Just use me for however you want to use me. I'm yours. 
my life changed forever that day. Never been the same. This morning, talking about being battle ready, it might be unfamiliar to you because you never have surrendered your life to Christ. You've never gotten in the battle. And I want to tell you, just like that day in the winter of 87, this morning in the winter of 2022, you could give your life to Christ. And you might look back 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 35 years from now, and say, I don't remember who he was, but I remember where I was in Watkinsville, in that chair, in that room. And he mentioned me giving my life to Christ. And that day, my life changed forever. I called out to Jesus, and he saved me. And I want to invite you to do that right now. One year later, in the summer of 1988, I was at one of the lowest points I'd ever been in my life. I was going after the Lord, I thought. But I was in Buffalo, New York. And I was living in the basement of a townhome that belonged to Noel Wilmoth, a family that I had just met. And I was supposed to be the youth director for this little startup church, and I had no clue what to do. No idea. I was just lost and in the north. And Buffalo at that. And the basement that I slept in had a concrete floor and a temporary bed and their washer and dryer was five feet from my head. It was damp and moldy and it was awful. And, um, and I was just, I was just, I was losing a lot of battles. And in that, in, in that summer, God brought a song to me. He brought a song across my path that became life-giving for me that summer and life-altering. In the spring of 88, Stephen Curtis Chapman released a project, and on that project was a song called His Strength is Perfect. It came to me at that time in a cassette tape. I had a yellow, some of you remember, I had a yellow Walkman, waterproof. It's good for that basement. And, and, and every night, those, like the last three weeks of, of being in Buffalo, every night I, I would find that song on that cassette tape in that Walkman and I would listen. And, and it was based off of a verse in 2 Corinthians 12 that says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This morning, I wonder if God has brought you here for just this time to allow you a chance to acknowledge your weakness. And to apply his strength. That's how you get battle ready. I want to invite you to pray this prayer. I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Father, give me a humble flesh. And a guarded heart. 
and in my weakness be all my strength. Father, give me a humble flesh and a guarded heart and in my weakness be all my strength.